This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the SI Boxing Podcast. On this episode, I've got a great conversation with Tim Bradley, the former welterweight champion, now an ESPN broadcaster. I talked to Tim about some of these early fights that Top Rank has been putting on, and what does he think the timeline is for some of the bigger fights to actually happening? Plus, Fury, Anthony Joshua, was it smart for Tyson Fury to come out and say he's got a deal with Anthony Joshua with a dangerous fight with Deontay Wilder? Still waiting by the end of the year. Stick around for that great talk with Tim Bradley. A little bit later on, Demetrius Andre, the WBO 160-pound champion. Andre's still kind of lurking out there, looking for a fight, looking for another big fight down the line. What does he think about the fact that he is once again not in the Canelo-Golovkin sweepstakes? What has to happen for him to get into that mix? Plus, PDs in boxing. A serious thing. And talk to Andrade to get his thoughts on uh, performance-enhancing drugs that are still in the sport. Quick housekeeping note. If you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it. Head over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right. On to my conversation with Tim Bradley. All right, joining me now on the show, he is the former junior welterweight champion, welterweight champion, uh, terrific fighter, terrific broadcaster, uh, now doing fights over at ESPN. He is Tim Bradley. What's happening, Tim? What's going on, Chris? How you doing, man? Well, as, I was, telling, as I was telling you offline, I am sitting in my air-conditioned-less apartment in New York City, which is not, <laughs> not the place you want to not have air conditioning. <laughs> no, you need some AC out there in New York, man. <laughs> no, tell me about it. You're you're like maybe 15 minutes into this podcast to seeing me go shirtless. Just just to be aware, like you know. No, don't do me. Don't blind me like that, now, man. Don't do that, Chris. Don't do that. 
I'm uh, here in the hot desert, man. It's probably about 110 outside of where I'm at, but I'm in a nice air conditioning mm-hmm. in my house, man. I got a, a yeah. great AC unit, man. Yeah, Actually, man. I got like six AC units. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Those were the days, my friend. Um, What's going on? Well, a lot to get into with you, Tim. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, broadcasting during a pandemic. I mean, you are you know, broadcasting these fights for ESPN uh, from home, correct? Like you are in your home yes. office. And I mean, how has that experience been for you? You know, it's actually, it started off, I was a little, I was a little afraid because, you know, typically we're next to each other with, you know, when I have Tessator next to me, Andre Ward next to me, and you have all these guys working for you. Well, I'm working remotely from my office here at home and I have to do everything. I have to set up the cameras and make sure the lighting is right. I have to turn on the computer. You know, these are things that I'm, I'm literally a caveman to, dude. I've never had to do this, but I've had to learn, you know, in order to be able to, you know, broadcast boxing on television. But the difficult part I would have to say is, is that it's just finding that rhythm, um, that groove. Yes, we are, you know, when we're calling and broadcasting the fight, yes, I can see Andre Ward on a Zoom call, but you know, you have a little bit, la- a little bit of lag. So he may say something, and it may looks like he stopped, but <laughs> it, it continues, and so we kind of run over each other. But that's been the most difficult part. Um, fighter me- meetings have been the same; it's all been remotely, and you know, we get to see the guy, we get to speak with the guys. But other than that, um, I think it's been pretty, pretty simple. Now I've kind of gotten a groove. I've been doing this a few weeks, and uh, I know when uh, I need to. Uh, when I need, I know what, when I need to fix something, I know, I know how to fix it now. You know what I'm saying? I have experience in that, but, but it's been great, man. I'm glad boxing is back, back on television. I'm glad I'm just, you know, able to call a fight remotely from home. Yeah. I'm glad it's back too. Um, you know, the top ranked shows have come under a little bit of criticism because of some of the matchups there. And look, some of it is, it is what it is. I mean, guys don't train the same way during a pandemic. The money is obviously significantly different. So it's, it's tough to get those marquee matchups. I mean, how have you felt about not just boxing being back, but how it has come back in this first month? Well, you know, you got to commend Top Rank. First of all, they're the first boxing promoter to actually bring back boxing. Um, you know, you have your network, the zone who you work for as well. You have a Golden Boy Promotions. You know, you have a lot of entities, you know, in the boxing rim. You know, you have PBC as well. But Top Rank, you know, made it their responsibility, not only as a promoter, but as, you know, you got to understand that we're business partners. When you're a fighter, you're a business partner with the promoter. So, you know, promoter's job is to get you fights, you know, and Top Rank has created this bubble, so to speak, in Las Vegas to allow these fights to happen. And it's actually been great. It's been fantastic, but it's putting money into the fighters' pockets. It's keeping everyone paid around. And I understand that the fights are not, you know, these big mega fights. You know, boxing is back, but the the, the mainstream boxing is not. You know, the super fights are not. Not yet, I have to say. Not yet. But it's something to watch on TV. These guys, they need to get paid. And then, you know, they've been on for a little while, too. So these are kind of, I would say, tune-up fights. But I have to say, last night, Max... I mean, yeah. Well, anyway, Chris Maddox. We'll go with that. I say <laughs> Either Max. way. I just saw, you, by the way, yeah, by the Chris way, Maddox. by the way, Can- Canelo Alvarez spent about a year calling me Max, so it's okay. You know, he, he, he didn't quite, yeah, he didn't quite figure it out. <laughs> my, my, I'm bad. Chris, 
the fight last night was fantastic. The fight against uh, uh, with Maloney and Franco, that was a fantastic fight. And as you see the cards, as they you know continue, they're going to continue to get better and better and better matchups. And then I think what's going to happen is is that you're going to get these guys like maybe a, a Terrence Bud Crawford or, or Spence or somebody. They're going to say, man, I really do miss being in the ring. And they're probably going to make that leap and say, you know what? If you can get me a fight, I want to do it. You know, you have all these younger fighters doing it, you know, coming up. And that's been the plus, Chris. That's been the plus. You know, we get to see these fighters before the hype. So we get to see them right out of the womb. You know what I mean? Three fights, two fights. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then we get to see them and follow their, their life story. You know, like, I want to see the teacher again. I don't know if you remember the teacher, but I want to see the teacher again. You know, he's reading Dr. Seuss books, you know, in the daytime, the kids. And then at night, he's fighting. You know, it's 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 unbelievable. And some of these kids' stories are, are, are fantastic. And I'm glad that they're getting an opportunity to fight on this stage, you know, during this pandemic. You mentioned Crawford, and he's one of several high-profile fighters that are out there without matchups you know, on the books. You spent a lot of years, Tim, as a high-profile fighter yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. what would you do in this situation? Because, you know, look, I understand, you know, boxing I don't compare to any other sport. Like, basketball mm-hmm. players can take less money. They're not putting their lives on the line when they get into the ring. It's a totally different ball game, right. I think, for boxing. At the same time... I don't know when this pandemic is going to allow for huge crowds. It might be, you know, middle to early to middle 2021. I mean, what would your advice be to a Bud Crawford? And what would you do in a similar situation? In all honesty, you know, Bud Crawford is not, you know, dying for money. But I have to say that being in his position, you know, time off time is time wasted. That's just it. Whether you take a pay cut or not. You have to stay active. Bud Crawford's not a young whippersnapper anymore. You know, he's in his 30s. You know, he's not young. So activity is important for him. But I know Bud Crawford personally. I know he works extremely hard. He's constantly in the gym. He's constantly staying in shape. So, you know, I think he'll be okay. But guys like Lomachenko, think about it. When the last time he fought, it's been been almost a year coming in August since he's fought. You know, he's a little bit, you know, older now and he needs to be active as well. So I think you're going to see these guys, um, you know, one thing that we know that you can't buy back time, Chris. You can't buy back time. You know, these are your prime years. You got to make use of it. Boxing is is short. It's a short lived sport, believe it or not. You know, you have a short window to make your money and then get out of the game before the game damages you. So I'm thinking Maybe close to September-ish, I think these guys are going to start getting that itch and they're going to say, you know what, I'm sitting at home. Yes, I'm training, but, it, you know, I, I need to get back in the spotlight because it's important, Chris. You know, you know how boxing fans are and you know how people are. You know, you're here today, you're going tomorrow, tomorrow, on with the next. You know, you're out of the light, they forget about you. You know what I'm saying? And they're on to the next one. So, these guys have to seriously sit down, talk to the promoter, speak with their promoters, and find and find a plan to come back because they are being lost. You know, you don't hear the name Bud Crawford anymore. You don't hear Lomachenko anymore. You know, that's not good for their image. That's not good for their careers. 
I thought it was interesting, Tim, that Bob Arum said that Lomachenko and Lopez both turned down interim fights in between, that they could have had these you know, so-called soft touches in June and July and then gone into a fall showdown, you know, hopefully with fans against each other. What did you think of that? Are you surprised that both of them turned down those, you know, those tune-up fights? I'm, I'm very surprised. I'm not surprised with Lopez, but I'm very surprised with Lomachenko. Like I said, he's been out of the ring for over, almost a year now. It'll be a year in August, I believe. So I would think, you know, him being an older fighter uh, and, you know, kind of to me, this is my opinion. Maybe some people might think differently, but kind of a little bit on the downslope due to his performances that I've seen him recently. Okay. Fantastic fighter. And I'm not hating by any means. He's a great fighter. He's one of my favorite fighters. He's easily number one pound for pound. But what I'm saying is, is that when you're getting older, you're getting towards that, you know, and you're at downslope, you have to stay active. You have to be in the gym. And I'm sure he is in the gym, but you have to be actively fighting. You have to be. And so for him to not say, say, I'm not going to take a tune up. I just want to go straight at Lopez. That shows you the confidence that he has, you know, in himself and in his ability. And also with Lopez, you know, him being the young gun, I don't know if you've seen the picture of him lately. I would think that, you know, he would want a tune-up fight. The kid looks like at least 160. <laughs> I'm not saying he can't make weight, but he's about 160 and he's solid muscle. So, you know, this inactivity has been, been terrible for everyone. And I said the person that's going to come out of here on top is going to be the ones that are disciplined. The ones like Joshua Franco that was disciplined through this pandemic, through this quarantine, and you saw what he did last night. Yeah, that's the key. You're right. Um, and Teofimo, I mean, you know this as well as I do. He's had problems making 135 in the past. Yes. I mean, this this Lomachenko fight is unquestionably going to be his last fight at 135. Yes. He's going to go up to 140. So you definitely want to be – you don't want to be cutting that weight fast to get you know down there because against a guy like Lomachenko, no matter what – level he's at at this point. He, he'll eat you alive down there. But on Teofimo, one thing that excites me about boxing is that you got a bunch of guys in and around that weight class that are like, you know, 22 and under, basically, or 25 and under if you throw Tank Davis uh, into that mix. When you look at Teofimo, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, um, it's called, you consider them stocks, right? Like, if you could buy stock in one of them, who would you, which one would you take? Hmm. You know what? There's two stocks that I probably would buy. Is, is Loma in that stock as well? No, because these guys, these are the young generation, like the guys that are going to step up in the next four or five years and become the next Loma, become, you know, well, the mainstream. I think, well, I think that my first stock, my first stock pick, my number one stock pick will be Shakur Stevenson. Be honest with you. He's coming up to 130, eventually 135. He's growing. That's my first pick. And the reason why I picked him is number one is, is that he's the most... I would say he has the most fundamental. He's the most fundamentally sound young fighter on the planet right now, and he doesn't get hit, you know. And that's a viable thing that you need in boxing. You know, a lot of people love offense. Oh, offense is fantastic. Yes, Chocolatito, he had an amazing offense, but his defense is where he lacked. And you see what happened when he fought a guy that was able to penetrate that offense and get to us that get to that defense, that non-defense that he didn't have. So, I would say Stevenson. Wow. Um, Teo, Teo Fimo Lopez, capturing his world cha championship, 
the way he did it, the fashion he did it, knocking out a strong, strong champion, I would have to put him second. Um, and then I would have to go probably Devin Haney. Devin Haney is a fantastic fighter, man. And the crazy part about it is, is that, you know, he he wants he wants all the smoke, you know, but a lot of guys are they shine away from him because he's he's that dang good. And he's young. You know, you got to understand he's young. I believe he's 21, 21 years old or 20 might even be 20, early 20s, now. early 20s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, man. He's a fantastic fighter, great boxer, and he keeps improving each fight, you know, developing, getting stronger, getting knockouts. And then um, there's a kid that I know that's very marketable. Um, you know, uh, you know, you who is who's who's Ryan Garcia, and then you have Tank Davis. Those two right there, man. Though I mean, I don't know. Ryan, I would say he's more marketable. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> so, well, I would say this. I would say this, Tim. Like, I think boxing, and I, I, that list is perfectly legitimate. Those guys, you know, that from talent on down, score on down is great. Uh, I think boxing needs Ryan Garcia the most. Personally, I think Ryan Garcia has the ability to be the crossover star that Oscar De La Hoya was. He can be the guy yes. that does the talk shows. He can be the guy that that just brings in the new audience because of the 6 million plus Instagram followers and that all the social media following. Now, he is definitely not as developed as Devin Haney or Teofimo or he's probably right around Shakur's level at this point, maybe just below uh, Shakur there uh, because Shakur's a world champion. But like the path that he's on, I'm really hoping it continues for boxing's sake because if Ryan Garcia goes out and if he had knocked out Jorge Linares in the same way he did the last two guys and then went on and knocked out Luke Campbell, uh, he could have had a 2021 at age 22 that would have catapulted him to the next level. Like that's the guy that I think right. can bring in fans in a sport that, as you know, just badly needs to go outside its core audience. Yes, you know Ryan Garcia. You know I I, see, I like how you analyze them, but I, I think a little bit different about him. Um, I think that you know you you had a fair assessment, but I just think that he's a lot better than what people think he is, man. I, when I look at him, yes, he hasn't been tested. He hasn't been tested. Uh, but when I look at him, I can see the discipline in him. I can see the fact that he's been working in the gym, staying committed, you know, staying hungry. He's just not out, you know, uh, partying and, and, and acting a fool out there. No, he's serious about his job. He truly is. And I can see it, you know, in his performances. That knockout that he just got recently was set up. It wasn't a lucky punch. It was mm -hmm. set up. He knew what he wanted to do, and he did it. And, you know, if he fights a Linares, if he fights Linares, I believe he's going to knock out Linares as well. You know, the speed, the timing, you know, uh, the confidence this young man, you know, exuberates. is fantastic. Uh, his huge following, like you said. Um, yes, he can be that crossover guy. You know, he has the good looks. You know, he, you know, he has the, the hand speed, the flash. The pizzazz, everything you need, you know, in a fighter to, you know, have him cross over. So, yes, he I think he is definitely a marketing genius. One, two, he's getting better and better with each fight. And I believe that I believe that he's actually uh, talented enough to compete right now in my pain for a world championship. You know, a lot of people would disagree with me. They'd be like, oh, you're crazy, Tim. No, I'm telling you, this kid will rise, man. He will rise because he has to. And I see it. I see it in his skills and I see it in his ability. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that that assessment. I mean, I I guess for me, I, I almost put like a promoter hat on with Ryan Garcia, where it's like, yeah, he can he can fight for a world championship, but let's just get through 2020 here. Let's just have these these mid level fights for him. Go from a Fonseca to a Linares, which is like C versus B, and you know I'm with you. He probably knocks out Linares because whenever Linares loses, he gets knocked out. Listen, man. You know, you know, this is the one thing that I that I realize about our sport of boxing, man. Um, and I say this with all due respect, but like, you know, we, you know, we talk about this O. We talk about O losing your O. And I want to tell the fans something. You know, the fans need to understand that. You know, when we coming up, when we come up in the sport, we are told, you know, we have to keep our O. We got to stay undefeated in order to get a shot at the title. You know, no one tells us. You got to fight the best, to beat the best, to get a shot at the title. They just say you have to stay undefeated. Whatever they put in front of you, you have to beat, okay? So we are programmed that to know as a fighter that we have to keep our O. And we have programmed the fans to think that we have to keep our O because they're used to seeing those glamorous records, 25-0, and 26-0. and 0. Wow, this kid must be good. And, you know, we don't get to see this kid you know, before the hype, we you don't get to see him at the beginning stages of his career. You know what I'm saying? So fans are expecting and expecting him to be, you know, a fantastic fighter. Then he gets, then he loses. Now he sucks. Now he sucks because he loses. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. And another thing that the fans need to understand is, is that, you know, us as a box of eternity, we are we are taught we are taught that if we lose. And we have learned that if we lose, our pay scale goes down. You know, you got to understand that. Our pay scale goes down. So do you think a fighter wants to take a risky fight? You know, no, a fighter don't want to take a risky fight. He wants to take a fight that's at least 75% he knows he's going to win, you know, because he knows that his pay scale could go down. And he's not going to inch closer to his title shot. So I sat down and I really thought about this, man. Um, You know, I think that, we as a boxing attorney as well is the only sport that caters to the athlete's abilities. See, you said just a minute ago, Chris, you said, you know, you know, he can fight a B and C level guy. And, you know, he's not really ready for the A level guy yet about Ryan Garcia. And I'm saying he's ready. I'm saying he's ready. You know what I mean? Because right now, either you're going to sink or swim, either you have it or you don't. When you have guys that had three, four hundred amateur fights like Lomachenko come into the sport, fight one fight and say, I want a title shot. Now that's changing the game. You know what I mean? He believes in his skill set. He believes in his ability. You know, why waste time? When you have guys like Shakur Stevenson that wins a world title after 10 fights, you know, people need to understand that in it, I'm going to amateur boxing now. Amateur boxing, you get 10 fights, you're considered open. You can fight a guy with 200 fights, 400 fights, whatever. You consider it open. You have 10 fights. Do you have the skills? Okay? Boxing is the only sport that caters to an athlete's ability. Okay? Now, how do you change that? Stop letting any and everybody in your fraternity. Okay? If my wife wants to fight right now and she don't have no experience at all, she can go and sign up and be a boxer. But can I go to the NBA and sign up and go play with the Lakers? No. There's requirements, Chris. Mm -hmm. You know? And so we say if you want to make the sport better, if you want to make the sport more competitive, stop letting anybody and everybody in your fraternity boxing. Mm -hmm. 
And I no. think that the sport will get way more competitive and the fans will see the fights that they won't rightfully want to see. I, I agree with and that. Deserve. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, you know, Ryan Garcia also agrees with you. Like Ryan has that. Ryan's got the, he called me a few weeks back. And one of the things he said to me was, he's like, I don't know where this whole, I know this Floyd Mayweather thing took hold in recent years where you protect your zero and that's all that matters. He's like, I don't care, man. Like if I lose, I lose. You pick back up and you, you keep going. You need that attitude to be pervasive in boxing and not yes. just Ryan Garcia. You need everybody to think like that. Yes, everyone needs to think like that because if you think about it this way, going back to what I said, if you're losing to the best, then what's the problem? You lost to the best. That was the better man that day, but that doesn't mean that you stuck. That doesn't mean that you don't have ability. You know, styles make fights at the end of the day. You know that. You know, and just because this guy beats this guy don't mean that he can beat you. You know what I mean? Because styles make fights. Mm. That's it. So Ryan Garcia, I respect that. I respect the fact that he says, man, I'm ready. I want this title shot. You know, of course, you're going to have the promoters. I had the promoters on the way up when I was fighting. And I kept pushing the promoter. I kept telling him, like, man, I can beat this guy. Man, I can beat that guy. Give me that fight. And he's like, hey, just chill. Take your time. Take your time. Because the promoter's obligation is to protect his money. You know, he needs to protect his money. That's it. But there comes a time where, you know, a fighter, I believe, needs to be challenged. You know, Ryan Garcia needs to be challenged so we can see the best version of him. Because let me tell you, all the hard work that he's putting in through camp, you know, all the time spent inside the gym sweating, you know, bleeding, crying, you know, all those sore days, you know what I'm saying? He's going to make somebody pay for those days. You know what I mean? So if he got it, if Ryan Garcia, people saying, oh, he doesn't got it. He doesn't got it. He ain't got it. I don't know if he got it. Well, let's see if he got it. I believe yeah. he does. He believes he does. Let's see it. Yeah, I think working with Canelo and his team has been great for Ryan because he's yes. gotten that discipline you know, from a guy that stays in shape at, at all times. Let me ask you one question about uh, the recent announcement that Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua have agreed to something, you know, some kind of financial structure to a deal. As a fighter, you know, do you look, was that a mistake? I mean, it's not unusual in boxing to be talking about what's next, right? Like even when guys are scheduled to fight, it's all about who do you want to fight if you win. But I mean, I, I, I'd be a little leery about looking past Deontay Wilder. I, I just would. It just, he's, I mean, I understand he got just beaten like he's never beaten before, but I mean, the guy can still erase the game or change the game with one punch. You're right. And I was a little disappointed at it, but I have to say that Tyson Fury, man, is, is just a different animal. He's just a different, he's just a different animal, man. You know, I've never, besides watching Muhammad Ali tell, you know, say that what he's going to do to a guy and then he actually does it, you know, Tyson Fury did that. You know, he said he was going to knock out Deontay Wilder. He almost had him out in two rounds, you know, like he envisioned. But, you know, I respect what he says. I I, I really do. Um, yes, is it a little bit, uh, you know, I would say I want to see the Joshua fights. He can jinx the big fight. <laughs> Remember back when he fought against, I believe it was uh, uh, when he suffered the big cut. Uh, I don't know why I can't forget it. Remember his name. Oh, Otto uh, Valen. Otto Valen. Hmm. Otto Valen. He had suffered that big cut. Now, you know, at that time, we everybody was worried about the Deontay Wilder rematch. Was it going to happen? Was it going to be postponed? You know, these are the things you have to worry about, you know, being a fighter. And then, you know, 
you had Wilder who took a fight as well, and he was losing every dang round to, uh, to Luis Ortiz until he finally knocked him out. And everybody was like, oh, man, please don't jeopardize this big fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, we, we can get a little bit – I can get a little bit leery about, you know, uh, counting your eggs before they even hatch. You know, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be 10 eggs right there. No, no, it might be eight. It might be eight. You don't know that. So, yes, it bothered me a little bit, but when Tyson Fury says something, man, I'm a true believer. When he says something, I, I, he, it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, he's using it as probably a motivational tool. You know, it's hard during this pandemic to stay motivated and stay disciplined. And so you got to have something to grab onto. And I think that's why he mentioned that, hey, this is where I ultimately want to be is in the ring with Joshua. Hey, I'm not overlooking Wilder, I got to take care of him, but this is my ultimate goal. But then I have a, I have a minor goal. Well, it's a big goal, <laughs> beating, <laughs> beating Wilder <laughs> for the, you know, for the second time. So that's why I look about. That's why. That's why I feel about the situation. Uh, Fury is smart enough to know he's been in the game a long time. He's very savvy. Uh, he's very cerebral, and uh, I think it's just a part of you know motivating himself. I do hope we get to that fight. I do hope that Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren and Bob Arum put that fight in the UK. Like, that fight belongs in the UK. Wembley Stadium, 90,000. I mean, I get a sinking feeling, Tim. We're going to see that fight in, like, Dubai or United Arab Emirates. And look, it's it is Saudi Arabia even. It is what it is. Money talks, no. but man, I, I no. want to see it in the UK. I'm, I'm with you. You're going to no. say something. I, I agree with you. No, in the UK, we need to put that thing. No, we need to have that thing in USA soil, baby. Oh, what? It got to be here in USA. You know, I understand I understand both fighters are from the UK now. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But Tyson Fury is now here in the States. He's now fighting here in the States. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, if a fight's going to happen, a big fight like that, I would hope it'd be here in the States. But like you said, you know, it, it would probably be, be a huge thing, 100,000 people or so, you know, Wembley Stadium, out overseas. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. You got a good point. But for me, personally, I want it in either Vegas, uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, we can even go down to, to Dallas, Dallas, the, the Texas Stadium, Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be here on USA Soil. I, look, I have no problem with that. I mean, in fact, like when Anthony Joshua came to fight Andy Ruiz at the Garden, I, I've been to a lot of big fights. I've never experienced anything like that. His fans traveled; they were yeah. all there, and they were. Yes. It was the only thing comparable to him was Ricky Hatton back in his heyday. You know, fighting in Vegas when, you know, when they drank the MGM out of beer the year he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather. So it's. It would be, no matter where it is, it's going to be an intense atmosphere. And I, I love that fight. I mean, I don't know who wins. I think Fury probably has... What? I think Fury's got an you edge now. You don't know but, who wins? No, I Chris. don't. Come on, Chris. How long you been covering boxing? <laughs> Come on, man. The Gypsy King's gonna win that fight, man. Come on. You got the robotic, you know, Anthony Joshua. Good skills, decent skills, but you got the fluidity, baby. You got the pizzazz, you know? You got that that snap and the, the reflexes and that crunk style coming your way now. You know, that's something to, that's something to deal with with Tyson Fury that and how big he is. You know, I mean, I understand that, you know, Joshua is probably one or two inches shorter than he is. But, you know, Tyson Fury is just a different, different class, I believe, you know. And but 
let's give let's give let's give Anthony Joshua his credit. You know, he has risen and he risen quite rapidly, pretty fast to the top. You know, and he's beaten. I would say his resume is the best resume in heavyweight boxing. Yeah. You know, and he always shows up to fight. You know, so you got to give him credit and you got to respect him. But my money is on Tyson Fury. Tyson I Fury look, all day. If I was putting money on something right now, I'd probably put it on Fury. But one thing about Joshua is that, like, Wilder will one punch erase you. But that's, like, all he's kind of got. Joshua will hurt you and then finish you. Like, before the Ruiz fight, I thought he was the best finisher in all of boxing. Like, when he got you hurt, he followed up with, like, four punches that were just thunderous, that put good heavyweights, like you pointed out, down, whether it was Dillian White or Alexander Povetkin. These are good heavyweights that he just put out of power. So I'm curious to see if he can get inside that guard of Fury, land a couple of things that buckle him. You know, he won't just put Fury down. He'll just put him down with, like, several punches instead of one. Let me tell you something about uh, Tyson Fury now. Tyson Fury has the ability to adapt. He has the ability to go into the trenches. We saw that against Deontay Wilder. And we know that Joshua, Anthony Joshua, doesn't like the kitchen. He don't like the inside. Anytime the short, rugged Andy Ruiz got in the inside on him, Oh, it was too hot. I need to get out. So the second time he fought him, he danced on the outside. I give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. He made the necessary changes that he needed to make in order to win that fight decisively. But the thing is, when he fights against Fury, and Fury figures that out and knows that, Fury's not going to stop. He's not going to abandon that. He's not going to let Anthony Joshua just run, you know, run back or move to the side. He's going to be attacking him, flooding him with punches, and landing hard, clean shots and counters on Anthony Joshua. You know Anthony Joshua don't fight that well off his back foot. No. He he don't fight that well off his back foot. He's fantastic. Anthony Joshua is fantastic at about mid-range. Mid-range, he's one of the the best, you know, counter-punching, and, and I would say combination puncher and heavyweight at mid-range. Like you said, no one can compete with them, you know, in a four-punch combination. No one. Anyhow. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, last question for you, Tim. The, uh, you know, it's amazing that years after your fights with Manny Pacquiao, we're still watching Manny Pacquiao at the top of his game, you know, or close to the top of his game, a money man still in the welterweight division. Uh, how surprised are you that Pacquiao had the type of 2019 that he had? And what do you want to see him do next? Like, how do you want to see him go out if this, these are the last fights of his career? Listen, I have bet against the pack more than f- probably four times. <laughs> and I will never bet against the pack again, man. Pac-Man is an unbelievable athlete a phenomenal fighter, a phenomenal human being. Um, I'm not surprised he's fighting in his 40s. You know, a lot of people surprised. But you have to understand that today's fighters are not like yesterday's fighters. They're they're a lot different. Um, Today's coaches are not like, you know, yesterday's coaches. They're a lot different. And so there's certain things that Pacquiao sees that most fighters don't see. And that's the reason why he's getting in the ring 
with these young guys. You know, one of the things that I didn't realize that Pacquiao saw against Keith Thurman was, was that Keith Thurman always pulled back in a straight line. And when you do that against Manny Pacquiao, he's able to follow you out with his combinations and put you on the defensive end. So with that being said, a lot of these fighters, they make the same mistake. They pull straight back in a straight line. You know, when he fought against Mayweather, Mayweather would go back, but then he would dip to one side and then go around. That's different. Mayweather was a, a master at distance, and he kept his distance very well, taming him with the jab and keeping him out, keeping him thinking. So that's why, honestly, that I know why, I, I honestly know why Pacquiao was still fighting, because these guys today can't compete with him on the level of, of, of IQ with him. He still has the speed. He still has some speed. He still has some punching power, and he has a ton of experience, and that's what he uses against these young fighters, you know, and that's why he compete. That's why he can still compete at this level, at this highest level. I'm not surprised. The Pac-Man is still alive, and he's yeah. still dangerous. He's still dangerous for anybody in the welterweight division. Listen to me. Anybody, he's still dangerous for yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I mean, it's he's a medical mo and to the point you're uh, you were talking about earlier, stays in phenomenal shape year round. Like doesn't let yes. his body go, which is so critical for He don't let his body go success. like I do, Chris. Yeah, you're you're really, I, I, we're we're doing this via Zoom, Jim. I got to tell you, you're really letting yourself go there. It's it's tough. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I really am. Hey, I love the honesty, man. I love when people are honest, man. So, I appreciate you for letting me know, man. I might have to do something about it. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go eat another donut. <laughs> hey Tim, uh, Tim, keep up the great work, man. We'll catch you on ESPN Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, for the foreseeable future and then hopefully into some bigger fights in the fall. Thanks for joining me, man. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, Chris. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 
Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. All right, joining me now on the show, he is the WBO middleweight champion, still out there looking for that big defining fight. Hopefully he gets it sometime in 2020, uh, if not soon after. Demetrius Boo Boo Andrade. What's up, Demetrius? What's going on, Chris? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Anxious to get back to work, as as I'm sure you are. I mean, how is uh how's your pandemic experience been? Um, you know, um, you know, me not being in the ring for this quite some time is nothing new to me. But um, you know, I'm taking this time to like really appreciate like my life, my family, and um, you know, the the creative mind to like you know do your own thing, get your own business going, and figure out what you need to do with your life. You know, that's how I'm taking it. But it's it's a sad situation, of course. But um, all all we can do is like you know, go with the wind. So elaborate on that a little bit. Like, you know, what kind of stuff have you tried to do, you know, during this downtime, whether it's business related or otherwise? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you know, business projects I have, properties, um, you know, uh, manufacturing business we have going on and, um, you know, family time. And then, you know, all the traveling and all the stuff you like kind of like, you know, the little things you might you you might not like pay attention to anymore. But now with, with everything going on, you sit back and you're like, damn, I missed out on like I've been doing too much. I've been like and this this me sitting still and figuring out different ways needed to happen. And, you know, in my life, it might not be for everybody's life, but, you know, what's what's going on it has its pros and cons, you know, and um, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Dwell in live on like the bad or you're going to figure out how to get out the funk and make whatever work for you and figure out how you can be a better person regardless of what's going on you know so i mean that's all that's that's how i roll so what what are some of the pros then of of getting these four months to spend you know with family and doing you know that things that you wouldn't be able to do well, that's pretty much it. Like, you know, just painting more, being, being more in, you know, in tune, not having to travel all over the place, spend more time doing like, you know, more of my kids activities and their, their sports and helping them get to where they need to get to. Um, me looking outside, like, okay. Um, I already been one that's already had, already had like this kind of like the shitty end of the stick of the boxing business and having to wait a year or months, like eight months without fighting a year and a half without fighting. So that already happening to me. I'm looking at other ventures in life so I can prepare myself. If boxing does go good, doesn't go good, what what needs to be done for, for my life and my family's life to continue to move forward and move on. And so, like, um, those are the things I'm always, you know, what I always look into and I've been, you know, staying focused on. But now, like, you know, what this whole thing is, I can spend more time doing some more things and looking, like, how do I shape more of my kids? Because now I have more time. How do I shape more of these projects? Because they have more time, you know, versus, like, me training and being over here and being over there and relying on other people to, you know, uh, make decisions and, you know, make try not to do the shortcut stuff. So now I'm there. I can be more a little more hands-on and see what happens, you know, on a daily. 
so you you never know when things can change, obviously, and and when you're going to get the call to get back into the ring with, with so with somewhat limited options as far as training goes during a pandemic like this. How have you adjusted? As have you had to do things significantly differently uh, during this pandemic? Nah, nope, not at all. <laughs> Nothing. Nope. The same. The same training routine. Yeah, whenever I mean, whenever I feel like working out, or whenever I feel like doing whatever I need to do, yeah, you know, like I don't go to the LA Fitness to go work out, you know. I don't have like mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we don't have we have our own gyms, we do our own thing, and like you know, so yeah, this is you know business, a life that we live. So it's not like you know somebody that has like I said an LA Fitness membership where they gotta go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I can do my own thing. Yeah, I'm one of those guys, Demetrius, that has like the equivalent of an LA Fitness membership that has just been like, you know, building my own gym in my own garage, which sucks, but it's it's just something that's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you just gotta create your environment. That's all. Mm-hmm. So you're a guy, Demetrius, and every time you fight, and every time we talk, you know, I think you and I are on the same page. We want to see you in a big fight, like just to test your skills uh, against the very best. Um, you know, what kind of communication have you had? with your promoter, Eddie Hearn, and, you know, just people around you about what could be next for you and what that, what big fight is real on the horizon? You know, I mean, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to like answer any of them questions that you just asked me. It's tough because at the end of the day, the, like, it's not me that's saying no to fighting anybody. It's the other, other side. And um, I have no problem getting into any of the, you know, popular names out there. Um, that's never been an issue with me. I'm willing to put my talent up against the best. And, you know, at the end of the day, whatever happens, what happens, I'm willing to do that and um, mm-hmm. showcase and show that, you know, I have the will, I have the heart, I have the strength to get in there with anybody that's in my weight class or in my way. No problem. Um, as far as, like, communications with Eddie, Matchroom, zone, whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot going on. I'm not going to be a headache on them. You know what I'm saying? There's already stressful stuff for everybody already. So it's like, you know, when that, when the time comes, we all know I'm here. The fights we want to put together and with this, like, no crowd. Maybe there's a crowd later on in life. I don't understand. But just people just tuning into the zone or whatever channel is going on right now, you want us to kind of see – good fight. You know what I'm saying? You don't want you don't want to put together some bullshit. You want to put together some good fight. So I'm at this point it's like if you want to see me fight whoever it is that is good, then you know, we they they gonna want to put it together because it's gonna only help viewership at mm. this point. You know? Has, really- Ed, has Eddie has Eddie given you a date at least to kind of work with? I mean they are putting the fall schedule together as we speak. We've all heard the name Liam Williams associated with you a bunch of times early on, if for no other reason than you know he's next in line for your title. Um, has he talked to you about specific dates yet? Nah, not not at all. I haven't heard anything. You know, I I couldn't. Maybe I might not be fighting to next year with all this stuff going on. Nobody knows anything. You, you could you could put a date together all you want at the end of the day, but if the government and everybody puts a halt to it and stop it, it don't mean nothing. You know? So it just is hard to really put anybody like in my caliber or to 
put a date forth for them because we don't know what's going on. We don't really know where's what states can go to, what countries can come, what countries can't come. So I'm like, shit, let's go to South America. <laughs> let's go, yeah, let's go somewhere where we can do it. You know, but you know, at the end of the day, it just I gotta sit back and just see see what happens because you know we we have no control right now of what to put on anything or do anything. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I definitely I think. I know there's boxing going on, but in a big name boxing right now. So, you know, you, you so it's just like, it's diff, it's a difficult situation, but go ahead. No, I, I definitely think when you say like go to a different country, I think that as we get into 2021, probably that's going to be very real. Like whether it's China or Saudi Arabia or anywhere in the Middle East, I think those are going to present as real options because they'll pay the money you lose uh, in a site fee. But to that, to that point, Demetrius, what's your position on not just fighting behind closed doors, but fighting for a little bit less money. I mean, we've seen guys like Terrence Crawford say, hell no, like you're paying me my full freight or I ain't getting in the ring, even if it does mean I'm not fighting until 2021. You've had other fighters say, all right, I'll fight for 75 cents on the dollar just to get my career continue to move. What's your position on the financial aspect of all this? You know, maybe, you know, Stop paying Anthony Joshua all that money. Maybe stop paying Canelo all that money. Maybe stop paying Triple G all that money. And everybody else should be happy with what they're getting. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, why do why do fighters gotta take pay cuts when they're putting their life on the line? It's just it's just a fucked up situation now because I have to say in that term, because it's fucked up. Why we gotta take a pay cut when we're putting our life on the line. Go pay cut everybody else. Go pay cut. You know, I don't see no other sports talking about pay cut. I, don't, I see this uh, uh, quarterback, Mahomes, $503 million. There's no pay cuts over there. Why is there got to be pay cuts over here? I don't understand. I think, well, look, to, to that point, I think there, there are pay cuts in other sports. Like the NBA players are taking a cut uh, this year. Baseball players, obviously, we've seen that publicized. But I agree with you. Boxers... It's well, tough to tell a boxer to take a pay cut. $500 million. Dollars, 503. You, you take a pay cut off that, you make $200 million, $100 million, You're still going to be happy. But if a fighter's making $5 million a year and then he turns into making $2 million a year to turn into $1 million a year to get fucking punched in the face, black eye, concussions, all the training, like, nah, bro. Nah, I don't, oh, blame, I I don't blame Tammy's Crawford for saying no. I want my money. This is what I fight for. This is what I do my whole life. All of a sudden, like, you know, I don't know if it's a dramatic cut or not. I don't know. I don't know his business. But if I was to say, if on my side and what I know is, then if you're going to pay cut, take the way the Triple G money, take away the Canelo money, take away the Anthony Joshua money. Like, those are the pay cuts that need to be cut down. If, but these will, I would... I would argue, Demetrius, that like eventually guys like Golovkin, Canelo, Anthony Joshua are going to have to take pay cuts because they're not... Look, Canelo gets... His last fight anyway was $8 million in a gate. That's not there. It's not going to be made up by Golden Boy or by DAZN, so he is going to lose some money down the line. Well, good. <laughs> like, <he laughs> they should never gave him that much money in the first place. You know what I'm saying? But he's, he, again, like I'm saying, like there's a lot of money out there that, that shouldn't be, like the way how they spread it between the names that I just mon- mentioned. Now, like the people that's like got to come up, got to take more of a pay cut. Like, nah, that's crazy. Just unpay cut them and spread it. Make that, make that spread. There's enough there. 
Well, I mean, it's, would you? Don't you agree? Canelo is losing something. No, if like he can't fight in front of a crowd, that's eight million dollars that isn't going into his pocket, or at least some portion of it. Isn't he giving up some money? I'm not saying he, I'm not. This is not, this is not a discussion about like Canelo, his money, whatever. I'm just saying as far as the zone, I'm just I'm saying as far as matchroom, like when they pay cutting people, the people that's getting paid the most. To dividend to everybody else, I mean, that's where the biggest pay cut should be coming from. I have no problem fighting anybody when it's time to fight them. And at the end of the day, I know my worth. They know their worth. People want to get paid for sitting there trying to take their heads off each other at the end of the day. Um, you know, I have a number. They have a number. Everybody's willing to have their minimum. Everybody has a minimum number. Everybody has a maximum number to get into the ring with somebody. You know, I'm. that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. But we were just talking about pay cut. We talked about pay cut. So, therefore, I was just saying Canelo's making this much money. Um, uh, Anthony Joshua's getting this much money. Like, they could pay cut some guys and everybody else just still make some good money. And they still get paid enough is what I was just making, like, a point. You know what I'm saying? Nothing, nothing more than less. Like, if I, if they if they say I had to fight somebody and they had to knock off a few hundred grand or whatever the situation is, you know, this ways around things. Maybe later on you can we can add that to this fight or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It don't have to be all the way gone. Everybody mm -hmm. got a mind, the business mind. Keep that money, but just learn how to spread the money. Like, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, that's some, some advice for the people out there. No, that, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that position taken by a fighter before where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying like, I'll take a little bit less here, but you give it back to me there. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You think that's something, you think that's something like Eddie would be open to? You know, um, you know, that's between me and him. <laughs> that's <laughs> me and him getting on the phone and figuring it out, you know? I mean, mm. by the end of the day, it's, it's a business. So, I mean, I don't see why not. And um, yeah, that's how that's how everybody kind of you know contract and um, everybody's life kind of span goes. Your pay grade, the better you do, the more you get paid. Mm -hmm. You had to, you know, we're coming up or a few months away from the two year anniversary of you winning that WBO title. A big moment for you in the Boston Garden, uh, near your hometown of Providence. You know, if I had told if you know if you fast forwarded two years then like it is now, do, do you think you would have had a bigger fight? Did you expect to have a bigger fight at that point after winning a title, having Eddie Hearn as your promoter, having DAZN with all that money behind you? I mean, how shocked are you that you haven't had at least that one signature fight yet? You know, I mean, it just goes down to show, like, it's a business, right? That's one. And two... They don't want to ruin their business fighting Demetrius Andre. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, like that's the shocking part of it. It's like, okay, let's just put it back out there real quick. Okay, Canelo making all that money. Anthony Joshua making all that money. Triple G making all that money. Why haven't they fought Demetrius Andre yet making all that money? Mm -hmm. Either one of them. Um, Triple G, why haven't he like stated? I went into the ring and I was like, yo, we're gonna make this happen or what? I haven't heard a word from him. Canelo, back in the days, I called him a bitch. You know, he's and that's how he's kind of acting in a sense now. Not to disrespect anybody that goes in the ring, but it's like, yo, bro, why are you going? Why are you why are you trying to stay stare away from like I was just say I'm just you know keep the names out there. You got the Chalo brother they mentioned, they got Demetrius Andre you mentioned, yo, he fought Danny Jacobs, that's good. 
Now he was looking to, you know, fight Devichenko. Like, all right, Devichenko's cool, but why are you going from Devichenko? What about Demetrius Andre? Why, how you go to David, David Benavides? What about Demetrius? How you go to Billy Joe Saunders? Like, and then now that fight's off for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it's just like, um, I want the same thing you want. And everybody else wants because it's clear that every time you mention Canelo or Charlo or Triple G, my name's in all the mix and the same vice versa. So I'm always one that's saying I'm willing to make it happen. You know, if there was a pay cut, I bet Charlo would have took that fight a long time ago if he knew this shit was happening for $7 million, You know what I'm saying? Because I would. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, now what we're talking. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know what I mean? I'm just um, I'm I'm willing I'm able and Canelo Chalo like whoever since like you you can't fly over there they can't fly over here now we gotta look like or figure it out where's Canelo he's around here where's Chalo is he around here like who's around here that's willing to do it and if you say pay cut who's still willing to do it with a pay cut. No, you're right. Uh, the Charlo stuff and we've talked about this in the past that. You know, bothers me as much as anything. I've I've had Ronnie Shields on this show, and I've said, Ronnie, let's go, Charlo Andre, the winner guaranteed shot at Canelo, make it happen. But I don't. I mean, you clearly represent too much risk. I'm not saying this because I've worked with you a bunch, but you represent too much risk. Despite the fact there's a huge reward attached to it, seven million dollars is actual money that you'd get if you're Charlo to fight you, and that I don't know. That just has always astonished me. Listen, I don't care. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And you can make a lot of money with that amount of money. Mm -hmm. it, it does seem, Demetrius, that the one guy that is ready, willing, and able at some point to get in with you is Billy Joe Saunders. And everybody knows the history there. You were supposed to fight him for that 160-pound title wait, back wait, in October. Wait, hold on. Hold on, Chris. <laughs> hold on. He said he's willing to wait with What? 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 <laughs> He wants to fight me all of a sudden. What? <laughs> You're surprised? He's been saying it. Saying it since when? It's the last few weeks. Said he's got he's got unfinished business with you. Oh, okay. Since oh, I think I I, I, I peeped in since his um you know his 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 um excuse not to fight Canelo. Like now he wants to fight Demetrius. You're not ready to fight Canelo in September, but you fight Demetrius Andrade in September. Is that is that what I'm hearing? I mean, then let's let's tangle. I don't care. I fight. I fight mm -hmm. Billy Joe. Anytime. I I was. Oh, I tried to fight him twice. What happened? Mm -hmm. He went up to wait. And then after I fought, I don't know who I fought, but I fought somebody. I mentioned talking about fighting Billy Joe afterwards. Still nothing. So yeah, if he really wants to do it, then let's you know let's let's stop playing games and do it. I, like I signed. I came off what thirteen months, maybe fourteen months layoff. And my first fight back was to fight Billy Joe. So, I mean, that's all I can really say. Like, I stepped up to the plate to fight him all 14 months off while he was the WBO world champion. So, I mean, if he really wants to do it, they already know what's up. Is it, you know, as you sit here, Billy Joe Saunders is 168-pound champion. You are the WBO champ at 160. Um, is is there something that interests you more? Would you rather defend your title against Saunders or would you rather move up, try to get another one in a different weight class? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would not mind being three-time world divisional champion. Yeah, yeah, three-weight division. Yeah, six fifty, four sixty, and sixty-eight. Yeah, I have no problem moving up to one sixty-eight to fight Billy Joe, because I don't think he can make the weight, and I don't know if he has the the right supplements to do it. <laughs> At a reference to the last supplements he was taking uh, before yeah. your fight, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. you know, maybe allegedly. <laughs> but um yeah i mean listen at the end of the day i'm in the i'm in the sport to like you know have my own glory you know it's also prize fighting and I, more than anything i would love to you know move up to 168 to fight and become a three-time divisional world champion no problem by doing that and also you know it would be nice to like you know have a goal in the sense of like a banal hopkins uh, uh how many times he defended his world title you know but at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it's in one weight class or three different weight classes if i'm still undefeated and i'm defending and i'm fighting for a belt that's still to me you know something legendary let me ask you one thing demetrius before i let you go the the, the issue of you mentioned we talked kind of about supplements there and we've seen jerrell miller in the news lately somebody that used to be your stable mate with eddie hearn at matchroom uh test positive once again for a banned substance his his uh, opponent, or was scheduled to be his opponent, was Jerry Forrest. And Forrest has said, ban for life. That should be it. Should not be allowed to fight ever again. He effectively said that if, if Jarrell Miller had hurt me in the ring, that would be maybe murder. If he had killed me, that should be called murder. How do you feel about these positive tests? And should there be a set punishment for fighters who are risking their lives, as we talked about, uh, testing positive out there? Yeah, I mean, there definitely should be... Um you know, a great fine, you know, maybe some, some more suspension, you know, I mean, you know, I don't ever want to, you know, ever stop somebody from making a living either. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to put a great deal on them. Like, Oh, you can't, whatever. Like if this is the only way they're living, you know, Canelo got caught, um, um, Billy Joe got caught, Miller got caught twice. Now it's like, all right, this been going on for way longer than I was even born. So it's like, how how they not already come up with a way to like find us keep people from you know taking these banned substances that's going to like you know enhance their strength speed and you know give you the more give you an opportunity to actually really hurting somebody in a sport that you already hurting people so it's um you know I I have no control of that I can put my opinions out there left and right but at the end of the day the board and people the commission maybe fighters need to get together and figure out what's the proper way to handle this this, this situation because at the end of the day like you said somebody can really really get hurt or you know die man pass away you know you're like getting that situation because boxing brought that it's been upon us already before people have passed away in the sport of boxing so it's like now take drugs and make it even like the number go higher or or the other side of me like the gangster like side be like yeah you know both of us take drugs <laughs> and we both go in there to have a play equal play playing field one way or another i ain't never done this shit i will never don't need this shit i work hard i believe in god i bust my ass for everything i do but at the end of the day you know what i'm saying we both taking it on we both off it that's that's one that's one step below going into the ring with like a baseball bat. Like that's that's basically <laughs> going in with an armed weapon on that one. Is it important? Like you are you're 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 known you're a clean fighter, right? So is it important to you to go into a fight 
with your opponent having been advanced tested? Like, do you do you need to have every opponent that you face have that VADA or USADA or whatever the equivalent is tested before every fight? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's real. People are doing drugs. I don't want to get in there with somebody that's doing drugs. That's just, fuck, it just, it's just messed up. It's just not fair, you know? Like, what is this? This is the ultimate. This is ultimate cheating. Not saying I can't beat somebody that's on it, but like, okay, this guy's getting stronger each and every round. His win ain't going away. He don't show exertion. He's not whatever. Like, cause you know, at the end of the day, uh, a clean fighter, somebody that works hard, relies on like, I'ma wear him down. I'ma break his will. I'ma do. But if you have all this stuff in there, how can I be able to do all that stuff when you're already taking stuff that will never get you to that point? Yeah. No, how, can it's, I it's scary. how can I get that 12th round knockout that I'm looking to do all the time? Like, I'm looking to break them down, break them down, break them down. Boom. 12 round knockout, you know? Mm. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's scary, especially for boxers to, to be involved in those situations. Uh, Demetrius, man. No big ass veins coming out of my body. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we have not. I've been training for since I was six years old. I've been fighting professional for 10, 11, 12 years old. I've been looking at some of these fighters like, God damn, how they look more diesel than me? Shit, I worked out all my life. <laughs> what the hell? What am I doing wrong? Sometimes there's a reason for it. Some, sometimes there's an explanation behind it there. Um, Demetrius, appreciate the time, man. I hope to see you back in the ring real soon. And when I talk to Canelo, I'll tell him you want some of his money. to Give, give me some of that <laughs> money and hey, everybody hey, get right. in the ring. Right. I, I, I seen something like, you know, I'm not, I don't be on it all the time. I heard something about Canelo talking about, oh, every time a fighter wants to fight him, they want the moons and the stars or something like that. And of course, Canelo, that's what you want, the moons and the moon and the star. But my thing is this, right? Fighting Canelo alone, like I'm just, now I'm going off like, you know, the uh, um, Saunders thing. I think it's a money thing more than anything. But like, if I have the opportunity to fight, you know, Muhammad Ali, um, Floyd Mayweather, Roy Jones Jr. If I have the opportunity to fight one of them guys to get like maybe two, three million dollars, whatever, whatever, just me getting in the ring with that type of fighter is an honor itself, a privilege, and a, 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 a way to make more money if you beat them. You understand what I'm That's, saying? Th that so is, no, I look, have never on. had that. I agree I with you. That never is. never had that, that problem. I had never had that problem of getting in there with Canelo for less money, getting in with this. I've been getting in this sport for, I've been getting in the ring for less money for a long time. A no, long that, time. that is, that I, I, yo, yo, believe me, I know your, your story. Like there, that is, that drives me insane sometimes that guys, you know, if it's like, you're still getting paid millions to fight a Canelo. And if you beat him, which you should have the confidence that you're going to do, you're going to get paid three times that in a rematch. Andy Ruiz proved that. Andy Ruiz made around $4 million to fight AJ and north of $10 million to fight in the rematch. So, you know, take a little bit less, win the fight, and then get the big money in the rematch. Roll the dice on yourself. Yeah, exactly. So that being said, you know, I'm ready to tangle. Whatever I can get in to do my thing, you know, because at the end of the day, I got the confidence, the ability to beat them all. And at the end of the day, everybody got to punch his chance, but I'm willing to get in there and make it happen. You always are, man. Good to talk to you. Stay healthy out there. Uh, you too. Appreciate you. And you still looking handsome over there, man. You, you young, handsome guy. You ain't tall, black, and handsome, but you handsome, though. It's, uh, <laughs> skinny, white, and handsome is what I go by these days. <laughs> Appreciate you, man.
right, take care. God bless, man. Thanks, pal. See you soon. All right, right, peace. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.